You're listening to Becoming, a podcast on life and self-discovery where I, Emily, am searching for answers and inspiration. I'm 34, and quite honestly, I'm just having a hard time. So this is my audio documentary where I'm just having unfiltered conversations with various women in my life that I've met through work, friends, networking, the wedding industry, even family, you name it. And we're just going to talk about life struggles and how we manage them. And I'm on a journey to gain inspiration and tools for what's ahead. So much shit can happen, yo, it got me tripping now. Yeah, it's feeling different now. Feel like I'm zoned out, put my phone down. Yeah, and so that's a big part of this. And the other part of it is, um, I well, I've been in therapy since, well, I've been in therapy off and on since I was 17. But with all of this going on since January, Um, and the thing that I've really struggled with is this whole concept of processing. And I'm, I'm such a type A personality that I'm like, well, well, give me the four things to do to process because I don't know how to process. And the message I keep getting back is like, okay, you need to think less about processing and just be and let the process happen. And this is kind of my rebellion to that. Cause I'm like, I get that. I I get that, but I can't just do nothing. And so for me, what I've found is my process is just talking to people that I admire and trust and maybe less me talking. And this is part of what I was telling you before. I don't think it's important to share the specific details of what's going on with me. It's more, I want to hear and learn from others and just kind of take notes and be like, okay, so those three things worked for you and, and those two things didn't work for you. So how do I put that through the lens of what I'm going through? And the fun part of all of this has been, I did not ask people this, but throughout the episodes, uh, it kind of naturally happened where people are giving me like homework assignments. <laughs> And it's been fun. I really like, and everyone looks at things from a different perspective. And so for some people, it's like, you should read this book that helped. Or other people are like, you should spend one hour a day outside and like not outside to garden or outside to clean. It's just be outside. And so I've actually really, really loved that. And I'm at a, I'm quite honestly at a point where I'm like, I'll try anything. (laughs) I'll do whatever. Anyway, I'll try it at least once because clearly I'm not coming up with the good ideas on my own. So, So, well, you are, you are. So don't dismiss the fact that you are coming up with the good ideas because having a podcast where you sit with people and, you know, um, draw from what they've experienced and what has worked for them. That is a great idea. So (laughs) remember when we were kids, we had encyclopedia. Wikipedias. Yeah, yeah. All the information was in one place. Yeah. You're going to have all this rich information in one place on your podcast. Yes. And that's the cool thing because I don't know if we've ever talked about my other podcast, the wedding therapy one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you taught me how to podcast. Oh, that's right. That's right. Oh, wow. That feels like a different lifetime ago. Um, but the I haven't, funny. I haven't, I haven't the started, funny, but. 
Hey, hey, yeah. all in good time. So the, the funny thing with that one is because it's very interview-like, I really enjoyed being present in the moment with our guest and then putting it out there and literally never thinking about it again. Because to me, I was interviewing them. This might sound bad. I wasn't necessarily interviewing a lot of the people because I needed to know the answer. No, you were putting information out there for your brides. Exactly. Or for just people going through this process. And so I'm like, I don't need to listen to it again. And also I hate the sound of my own voice. So why would I put myself through that? But this is an entirely different thing. It's like, take the vanity, take all of that aside. I am at quite literally rock bottom. I, and, and to your point, what you just said, I was having these conversations. You have uh, like telephone with my friends and I would the next morning be like, oh, what did, what did Molly say about that? That was like a really good point. And then I'd have to text her and be like, what'd you say? And then I was like, I don't care if another human soul listens to any of these. I want a living diary of these conversations because I am truly going back and listening to them over and over and over again because every single time I glean a new insight from that person. Um, and so I've interviewed four people so far. Two of the episodes are edited and up, which obviously I had to listen again through that. But I have listened to those two 10 times. And well, yes, I'm loving the, it. You're, you're doing a lot more processing with those interviews or with those talks. Let's just mm -hmm. call them talks. Talks. I like that. Uh -huh. While you edit. I am. And you're going to start noticing, you're like, oh, that's good. And I want to make sure that stays in. Yes. And so you're going to be hearing it. I don't do well reading. I have to do with my ADHD. It's so bad. I have to do um, um, the actual book, but also the audio. So we process things better when we hear them. Well, at least I do. Yeah. And a lot of people I know process them better. So you're hearing it over and over and over and over without even noticing you're recording it in your brain. Totally. So you're saying go outside for an hour because it's already recorded because you've been editing it. Yes, yes. <laughs> and, it's editing and it's processing and now it's embedded and you're going to do it. You're going to be a lot more open and taking it in because you're in the edit business as well. That's and true. Yeah. <laughs> it's all that good content that's so filling mm -hmm. and you're hearing it over and over 10 times because you're editing as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's so it'd be different if you were talking having these talks it's recording and then you give it to someone else to edit and then they mm -hmm. put it up for you oh yeah and that to me that would defeat the whole purpose of this you know and that's the other part we me and Megan work really hard to make wedding therapy very professional like very seamless edited really well like the great mics and all the tech and this I'm just like that's not the point mm -hmm. I don't care. I don't care if we start the episode literally in the middle of a conversation. And the other thing I'm like, this isn't about, cause in the other podcasts, we do these big intros. Oh, I'm talking to so-and-so today and this is their resume. And this is where, and I'm like, I'm not even on one of them. The girl was like, Oh, should we say that I, my name was Corey? <laughs> and we were 30 minutes into the episode. I was like, Oh yeah. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I, I'm like, I'm addicted to podcasts right now because I feel it's something I could do for myself to enrich myself totally. while I'm cleaning, while, 100%. I'm fighting, while I'm, it's kind of mindless, not mindless, it's effortless. 
Well, and there's that element of you're getting two things done at once, which I really like. But I've noticed that I kind of, I kind of stay away from the podcasts that feel less authentic mm-hmm. and feel very mm, scripted. Yeah. And then the whole intro. Yeah. And I'm like, this doesn't feel, and it goes back to what I was talking about, relatable community. When it doesn't feel relatable for me, mm-hmm. I'm like, eh. I want people to feel when they hear our conversation or my conversations with anyone in my own podcast, I want it to feel like you're sitting around a table with your girlfriends. Yeah. And I feel that's a lot more impactful Yeah. than a rehearsed, structured, here's my resume. My resume on paper doesn't look good. Yeah. But <laughs> my resume in life? Yeah, that's what matters. That's all that matters. And I'm not only raising myself, because I'm still raising myself, mm-hmm. I'm raising two young adults, emerging adult young ladies, yeah. that I want to get all of this that we've been through, that you've always been a mentor and a, a person of, um, how can I, how can I explain how Nalani feels about you? She looks up to you, but not because you're perfect. Mm. That's good. <laughs> for my girls and a lot of people constantly ask me why are your girls so good and I say because I speak to them from a place of brokenness not perfection Uh, I speak to them all my all my mistakes all my broken pieces and I make them realize that in regards to our faith God uses all my brokenness for the greater good not be he doesn't use me because I'm whole right okay you're perfect I'm gonna use you Mm -hmm. So I've noticed that my girls are a lot more um, realistic about life because I come from that place where I was raised from a place of perfection. Mm. And it puts such an uh, unrealistic expectation of life on my daughters and this pressure to be a certain way, which leads me back to when I was 22 with three kids Mm -hmm. and I didn't have it all together. I felt super judged. But I never had the, hey, I've been through that. I get it. I see you ever. So I make sure the girls have that. And my daughter felt that with you. Mm-hmm. So she always gravitated to you. Yeah, she loved Megan too, but for you it was different. And I think it has to do with how real we are with them. Yeah. Yeah. It, it has nothing to do with I'm perfect and I'm going to mentor you now. Right, right. So I think it's important for my girls to hear these conversations and have this information and hopefully avoid some of the pain. Yeah, Uh, that's a a really valid part of this as well. Like, I wouldn't wish this on anyone. So when you you shared with me about your podcast, well, you shared it online and then I imposed an invitation. (laughs) I love it, love it. But just the whole title of it, and the name of your podcast, Becoming, is so rich in so many things. Mm-hmm. And I don't think people realize or women realize how important it is to become mm-hmm. who you are authentically called to become. And when you, you, you know, you're like, yes, let's do it. Even before that day that I got it all twisted on my, oh. my schedule, I sat and I, I prayed about it. And then my gift is writing. Like, I love to write. Unfortunately, I'm from the, the mentality that I feel um, blogs are dying. 
people yeah. don't want to read. People want TikToks that are 30 seconds. Yep. It's crazy. And I'm not going to do TikToks. It's not going to happen. <laughs> Girl saying. <laughs> even when my caption is long, I feel people don't, don't really like it. It's so weird. I mean, well, we could get so, on a whole thing on social media, but I feel like for me, um, back in 2018 during my mom's accident is when I let go of that with social media because, and as you know, like up until very, very recently, the only social media I had was my business. Like nothing even had my name. It was always at Tasteful Tatters, at Tasteful Tatters. And I was on this almost hamster wheel of like, uh, going to the webinars, doing all the things. And you have to post every Monday through Friday between eight and 9am. And on Wednesdays, you do a sale on Thursdays, you do a free tip. Like there was all these algorithms and things. And I was just trying to turn out content for sake of business. And then with my mom's accident, everything got turned upside down. And I all of a sudden now was in a home with for teenagers and didn't know what tomorrow would bring. And I was like, I, I do not have the mental capacity to be turning out wedding content right now. And so I went from posting nothing. And then I felt very, talk about being isolated. I mean, I was alone. I was trying to manage all this stuff with the kids. And so then I started to use Instagram as an outlet to write. And I would wake up at 6am before the kids got up and I would just be praying and meditating. And that's when my thoughts would come out. And I, I just stopped caring. I was just like, I don't care. I'm writing this for me because I am stressed and I am filled with anxiety and I don't know what I'm doing. And that's where I transitioned. And yeah, it was, it was weird and new because the people who were following me were probably like, what the hell? Like, I thought she was a wedding planner. Like, what is going on? And I did see this shift of like drops and follows and drops, but I, I just couldn't physically care because I had to feed could, four babies, you know? And I can relate to that because for me, um, and we could segue into the whole becoming thing and the notes yes. I wrote yes. and, and why I started my soul's revival. Mm-hmm. For me, it was going through the transition of being who I was expected to be and who I feel I was created to be. Mm-hmm. And it's becoming, and it's focused on becoming who you want to be and how to do it. Yes. And that's so, key. I want to hear how to do it. <laughs> I'm very task oriented. <laughs> like, really zone into what I needed while juggling parenting, taking care of parents and a husband. And I was like, it's all about reviving your soul because we're made of like our spirit, our body and our soul and our soul and soul care is so not given the light it needs. We don't tell our children, Hey, you need soul care. Let's sit and be intentional. I know you and I have talked. We didn't get it as kids. (laughs) imagine a conversation from our mothers where it begins with how was your day today how can I be there for you to be honest I can't even imagine that now (laughs) yeah 
thank you. And we're adults and they're, no, okay. So yeah, anyways, yeah, yeah. That's a whole <laughs> podcast. I know. But what I'm trying to convey to you is back to what you were saying, where the, the, the focus on your podcast was to have a place for all of this information. For me, because I'm an empath, I never wanted my kids, specifically my girls, to feel alone in a marriage, to feel alone in motherhood, to feel alone in a family full of people. I didn't want them to ever feel alone. And I, I'm not going to be around forever. So I wanted to put all of my keys to, to soul revival in one place. Oh, but, so much. but I got caught up because I haven't posted in a year. I was going to say I got caught up on the demand of how it was supposed to look. So when I started working at the mission where God totally shook my life around and was like, no, you're not going to do this. You're going to do this. Mm -hmm. I took that time to really think about what I wanted. And right now when I relaunch, I'm going back on the Emily Sutherland bandwagon of (laughs) just don't care. Yes. Yes. I'm not going to post at, 6 a.m. or at 6 p.m. because that's when the algorithm says I'm just gonna post and if I get one like I don't care like I'm not here for the likes I'm here for whoever needs this and if it's one person or if it's just my daughters or if it's just for myself I'm gonna be okay with that yeah where before I would cry during my photo shoots and before my photos and after my photos because they weren't right Mm -hmm. and I would look at them and edit them and I started getting so caught up on the image and not on the authentic content that I am so passionate about. And I have years of, because most of them are just pieces out of my journals. Right. Oh. So I have such rich content and I'll be caught up on the image. In and- your defense, that is the world we live in right now. So like, I just want to be clear on like th- what you're expressing right now every single person is also thinking about and dealing with because that's what's being shoved in our face all the time. So I, I don't want to come across like, oh, it's so easy for me. I haven't figured out because that's not, that's not the case at all either. That's- you do have it figured out because the figure now is I don't care. <laughs> but but to, what, to what I'm saying, every day, it's something I have to fight against because uh, it's okay. not something that comes naturally to me. And I mean, don't even get me started on photos and it's hard. I mean, because we want, here's the, here's the bottom line. We want to have this beautiful image to draw people in Mm -hmm. and then to really look at the content of what I'm writing and what I'm expressing and what I'm sharing. Right. But human nature is we're drawn in first through the eyes. Yeah. Yeah. And like, that's no fault of your own. That's just the way it is. (laughs) I want to help you focus on, um, what it really means to become who God created you to be and not feel bad about it. That's the bottom line. And I, I constantly say this, this to my, my three children is you can't feel bad about who you want to be to make others comfortable. Okay. Well, let's just get, let's just fucking do this then. Like jump in. We can talk more about like my thing, but I'm dying to hear what you, you have to say. So So basically for me, what does it mean to fully become who you are intended to be? In order to become oneself, 
you have to strip yourself, okay? And I've, I've gone over this over and over. You have to strip yourself of who the world and everyone in it has molded you to be. So meaning you have to eliminate and detox yourself of the programming that does not serve you from your childhood, which was received from parents or family, and eliminating who you are to others and who you are in others. In, in our case, because we were married in such a young age, because we were married and we were still children, right. <laughs> anyone Emphasis from mid-20s are still children, because we were married at such a young age, we had to grow up with our partners, which we molded ourselves to that person. Okay. Yes. So, so I believe, okay. And there could be a lot of reaction to this, but I believe it's close to impossible to fully become who God created you to be while focusing on being someone else's wife. It's impossible. So what do I mean by that? Yeah, well, so, take that down for me. <laughs> okay, so let me elaborate. Let me elaborate. So subconsciously, we will ask ourselves, "What will my husband say, or what will he, or how will he feel about this or that, or any decision that we make?" We're going to ask ourselves first, "How will they feel?" Rather than, "How do I feel about it?" Mm, and that's not that's okay. Good. Yeah. We, we, why are we asking ourselves what the person outside of us is going to feel prior to asking ourselves, what do I feel about this? What do I want to do about this? Mm-hmm. So we work towards making the other person comfortable rather than embracing what we really want. <sighs> okay. Yeah. Okay. This is why it is so important to experience growth. And mind you, I'm going to use my, my, children as an example because right now they're 21 22 and 24 and it is so important to experience the growth that occurs after our parents home and before we get married there's a growth that happens as an individual that helps sets the foundation Mm -hmm. of who we are intended to be Mm -hmm. because we are focusing on ourselves not on what our parents want and not on what our spouse wants Mm -hmm. We're focusing on what we want, what makes us happy, what brings us joy, what fills our soul. So you start doing those things and you don't have the demand of your parent or your significant other. You're like, no, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go for the run. I'm going to go for the hike. I'm going to go out with my friends. I'm going to do, and it's not about being um, free to make your choices and not have responsibilities. That's not what I mean. It means I can get up and go and not worry about asking my parents. I could get up and go and I don't have to worry about being home because I have to make dinner for my significant other. Right. I think there's so much value in learning. Yeah. Like you have to learn how to make decisions without that. And that's a skill. That's definitely a skill. 1000%. So if I sit back and I reflect on my life and the season my kids are in, I'm encouraging them right now to live on their own because no matter what, even if they're in their twenties, I'm still going to nag about your bedroom. They're still going to ask me what's for dinner. 
Yeah. There's still people out and I'm going to text them and say, what time are you coming home? So right. I don't worry. Mm -hmm. But if they don't live in my home, there's an intentional adult relationship that we transition into where it's an adult parent relationship where they're setting the tone where they're like, no, mom, I'm busy. I'll see you on Sunday for brunch. Mm -hmm. And there isn't this demand on their life that I'm putting on there. Yeah. So if they go from my home to a significant other's home, which you did, did you do that? Um, kind of. Yeah. I, I mean, I moved away to college and I had my own apartment. I had my own full-time job. And while I was going to school, um, for, I did that for like four or five years and, but, okay. and then I moved in. Yeah. So, I mean, not long, but longer than, I mean, listen, some of my friends straight moved from the dorm room to their significant other. So I went from being my, my mom's child, my parents' child to my husband's wife. Yeah. That's a lot. So I've never been able to be who I mm -hmm. wanted to become because I was too busy becoming who everybody else needed me to become. And the only way I was able to do that was really become who I am is by A, setting boundaries. But I had to really learn who I was without all those titles, without yeah. you being, you know, of the wife or without you being the daughter or the sister, you need to remove that. Mm -hmm. and, and essentially we're stripping ourselves of who those relationships tell us we are. And we're resetting ourselves back to factory setting. And it's a challenge because so much of who we are is defined and dictated by the people in our lives. Yeah. For me, it's a very strong, opinionated Latino family, my husband and my children. So I've always found myself asking, what would they say or think rather than what do I want? Mm -hmm. So setting boundaries is essential. Mm -hmm. um, and we may look at our lives as a, as a gift, right? We look at our lives as a gift, but subconsciously, we're gifting it to other people. Oh. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's a gift, but why do I keep gifting other people? I'm not gifting myself because we're subconsciously living our lives for others. That reminds me of, I've seen this like written in quotes and stuff, but it's like, we are so much better at loving, like with our words to our friends and the way we speak to our friends. So like, think about like in this instance, you know, it's like you have one friend who's really struggling and not doing well. I, and maybe this is maybe more of a female thing, but us women are so good at rallying, Lift lifting them up, reminding them like, you're beautiful. You're great. You, but do we speak to ourselves like that? Not often enough. And that's something again, like what we were talking about Instagram and like that doesn't feel like the natural setting that we're constantly and and how do we get to that like how do we get to the place where we are so quick to be kind with our words to ourselves i so haven't gotten there yet <laughs> and, and the way i talk to my girls and the way i'm so quick to uplift them i had to start practicing doing that with myself and you know, you strip yourself and you say, okay, I'm not going to, I'm not going to look at myself as the wife or even if your career, the person in your career yeah. as the planner 
or for me, it's the mom, the daughter. I'm just going to look at myself as who I was authentically me without all those titles. You almost have to re, you have to get to know yourself again. You have to date yourself. So I started my survival based on me trying to revive my soul. Although I was in a very demanding and busy life. Because just because I'm living didn't mean I was living. Right. So I had to revive my soul. So I started finding keys. And I always say clavis because it's in, it's in Latin. Mm-hmm. The keys to reviving my soul. Number one, I started asking myself a lot of questions. Do I like that? Mm. Do I want to do that? Does this fill me? Does this serve me? And if the answers were no, and I don't do it. Mm-hmm. I don't go there. I don't say yes to that. I don't, I stop saying yes to things that don't serve me because the other person needs it. Right. No. And, and you don't have to be a brat or a rebel about it. It could be a very kind, no, yeah. thank you. I does. I can't. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and we even talk about how it is in society women have to mold themselves to the title of mom, the title of wife, the title of whatever it is you are doing in your career. You ha- there's this demand on our life. That's why I say strip yourself down to, to you know, factory setting. And you, you ask yourself, what do I like? What brings me joy? You, for example, because I know you and I, I, I see how you light up when you're crafting, when you're making your drinks, yeah. when you're with Olive. So yeah. it's a matter of getting all those things listed mm-hmm. and look at that list and say, I'm going to do th- two of these things a day, one of these things a day. What do I do for my friends that brings me life, that brings them life? I'm going to do for myself. Ooh, that's a good one. That's a really good one. I find it very easy to love on others and very hard to do those same things for myself without like the lie, like that's selfish. You shouldn't be wasting your time or money on that. Like you don't deserve it. You don't need it. But I'm, I, but the, none of those things come in my head when I do it for a friend at ever. When I, when I buy gifts, I love going all out. Me too. And I'm very intentional about the gifts that I buy. Mm-hmm. I'm really into doing, um, for example, my niece's or my nephew's birthdays. I like to ask them questions about themselves a couple of months prior. Mm-hmm. And then the gifts are very intentional. And it won't be just one gift. It'll be like multiple gifts that embrace exactly who they are. But if I'm out and I see something for myself, I'm like, oh, I don't want to spend money on that. But I just dropped serious money <laughs> on this intentional gift for my niece. Yeah. And I won't do it for myself. Like, I think, like, for me, I hate giving gift cards. Oh, Because I think yeah. it's a nice gift. Okay. Obviously, you've read the Love Languages book, right? Yes. Okay. So is gift giving one of yours, one of your top ones? The way I love, yes. Yes. The way I 
need love? No. No. Interesting. So, but I'm going to tell you something. I feel it's because I'm still working through mm. unworthiness where I don't feel you giving me this gift is, is you shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't like have you gone. You don't deserve it. Yeah. I'm acts of service. You want to love on me? Please come and serve me. Mm. And by that, I mean being intentional, like, hey, I'm going to go put gas in your car. I'm like, yes. Oh, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Well, something you said earlier, you're like, you need to learn how to date yourself. And yeah. I, throughout, obviously, this whole process of talking to people, um, I, I don't know if someone assigned it to me or if they said something in our talk that made me think about it, but I rebought the love languages book. Mm -hmm. um, shoot. I need to find it. It's in my bookshelf somewhere. Um, and I was thinking, cause you know, it's been so long since I've done that. I was, and it's, I bought it. It's been in my bookshelf and I wasn't really sure like if I was ready for it, but when you said you need to date yourself again, it kind of sparked that idea in me because I feel like that book is oftentimes brought up or suggested to people when they're dating or like engaged. And the mm -hmm. whole premise is like to be in tandem with another person. And what you said struck such a chord with me. I was like, I should read that book. I already know I'm going to, I bought it, but now I know why I bought it. I didn't know before. Yeah. I bought it because I need to relearn how to date myself and what are my, what are my things? What are the things that I love to receive and actually do it for myself? That's you have to be intentional with yourselves, with yourself. And we don't have the habit of being intentional with ourselves because we are always catering to others. It's in our human nature as women. Yeah. We're always constantly seeing what others need. We're providing for others. And God forbid we, we serve ourselves. Mm -hmm. So I finally realized that in order to fully become who God intended me to be and fully experience joy, I had to ask myself, what do you want? Mm -hmm. And it, it could be with anything. And I don't care if it's about a vacation, a meal. It's about really getting to know yourself and dating yourself, as I said, mm -hmm. and giving yourself what helps you feel free of the expectations and rather rather be free to fully be and know who you want to be and become because you were created to be that person but it was fogged and you were distracted by becoming who you were supposed to be mm -hmm. um so i'm going to share a quick story Please. to give you an example as you know, when I was 18, I got pregnant with my son mm -hmm. and I'm the youngest sibling. So this came like as a, as a huge shock to my family. Um, and I'm, I come from a very conservative family and I felt like it was like the biggest disappointment. Mm -hmm. I mean, I felt that I brought such shame to my family and I would have done anything to make that shame go away. Um, because I felt that I was responsible for this image of the family and everyone else's happiness. And I felt so sad. Like I was just completely overcome. And I had four people in my family approach me and say, um, we'll help you get rid of it. 
I have I had one person tell me, I'll take you to any car dealership you want and you could buy any car you want if you get rid of it. Okay. And in that moment, little 18-year-old me, little naive, I'll do anything to make anybody happy, turn around and said, absolutely not. I wanted my, my child, I didn't know I was a boy at the time, no matter what. And I didn't care if it meant me living in a box under the freeway because I knew my soul depended on it. Mm-hmm. And now I look at my son and I experience a blessing he is, as oh, you know him. I adore him. I can't imagine your family without him. And I think of how I would have allowed myself to be swayed to not have him, but I didn't care. Like that's one point, one moment in my life where I can say I didn't care about anyone else but myself Mm. because I knew I wanted him. Yeah. And I knew his dad wanted him. Yeah. And I wasn't dating dating him very long. (laughs) That's a whole other podcast. (laughs) I love it. I love it. But what if I had taken a knee to what, everyone else wanted and not what I wanted what if I what if I would have said I'm going to do this to make you feel comfortable but then had a lifetime of undoing the pain it would have caused my soul I would have missed the opportunity to become who God was lining me up to become and the person I am now because part a huge part of who I am and I knew I always wanted to be was a mom. I knew that at 12 years old. So sweet. And I was like, I'm going to be a mom. I'm going to be a mom. And I'm going to be a great mom. Mm-hmm. And I knew a lot of it had to do with feeling the whole of like that inner child that wanted a certain type of mom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and it was funny. Someone said to me the other day, if Pinterest had a, if, if Pinterest was a person, it'd be you. And I felt so. <laughs> It was on Easter. I felt so um, accomplished. Yeah. Such a compliment. Yeah. Um, but had I taken a knee to what everyone else wanted for me, I would have, I would have missed this beautiful experience that's him. Yeah. And the experience of where God was lining me up to, to take the role of mom. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite role. You can take wife. You can take, you can yeah. take a, uh, servant you could take anything but don't take my mom role my mom role I'll be in a cardboard box into the freeway and I'll still take it up but had I taken a knee and said I'm gonna do this for you so that you're comfortable all of you and I'm gonna go against what I want I remember clearly thinking heck no I don't care how uncomfortable you are I'm doing it. Yeah. And how many girls have done that for the sake of others? Yeah. How many girls have, have taken a knee because their mom or dad or their, mm-hmm. their boyfriend or whatever has said, you know, if that was their choice, then fantastic. That's right. I was just going to say, I in no way want this to come across like we're telling everyone. No, 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 no. That, but I understand we're, what you're saying. On what you would want. Mm-hmm. If you want the, the alternative, then that's where you're called to do. That's, that, that's for you. Right, right. That's what you want. 
but doing not, it a hundred percent for someone else is for not. someone else yeah. to make someone else feel comfortable. Right. How sad is that? Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Definitely, I'm, I'm, I'm pro-choice. That's the bottom line. Because everyone has the ability and had should have the right to make their choice mm-hmm. what's right for them, not for someone else. Yeah. So we have have to learn to say, no, this is not for me. No, I don't want to do that because you're uncomfortable. And I don't mean, again, like I said, you have to be a, a bra or you have to be um, aggressive about, about it. It's a very simple and kind, no, thank you. Yeah. I'm good. And, and I, would argue, I would argue that if you're being kind to yourself, that ultimately you are loving the other person. And I know we're using this example of for you, but this, this concept could be taken down even to the smallest thing of like friends inviting you over for dinner and you don't, you just don't have the emotional ability to be there for that dinner. So you declining while it might feel like you're being mean or you're not, it's like, no, that's actually loving the other people just as much because you might not be emotionally at your best at that dinner. Or I know that this is really superficial, but it's like, you don't want to be showing up being unkind to yourself because you might say something unkind at that dinner because you shouldn't have been there in the first place. And so I love that you're saying, it's like, Hey, you don't need to be a brat about it, but also for the person because I know like we're talking about you and me, but also for the person who's on the other side of that, getting the no, be aware that that is them loving you, <laughs> even though it's a no. I'm going to get to others and us loving ourselves. Mm-hmm. So saying, I love you. Thank you. I love you, but I love me more. And in this moment, I need to love myself more. We need to be okay with that. Yes. Saying no when we don't want to do something is the greatest gift we can give ourselves. Mm-hmm. Because the more we say yes to make the other person happy or to keep the peace or to, you know, step away f- from wanting this conversation of why you don't want to do something, the more you say yes, the more you step away from yourself. And it's counterproductive when you're working on becoming who you need to be. Exactly. I'm saying yes to you and I'm saying no to myself. Yes. And tone is everything. Yeah. I was raised in a very hectic and chaotic environment. Half of it was because of its typical cultural um, behavior. And the other half is because it was toxic behavior. Mm-hmm. And that has been passed down generation to generation. So to them, it's like normal. But approach and delivery and tone is everything. It's, Say, it is. No, I'm good. I'm not having a good day. And the bottom line is when we allow others to tell us how to be and who to be and say yes, I'm saying yes, we're, we're, it's detrimental to allowing ourselves to be who God intended us to be. That's the bottom line because we become adapted to what they need. We become adapted to they need me at their dinner even though I don't want to go. And I'm not going to be in a fun company right now. And that but is I'm, being true to you at the end of the day. And that's detrimental to us becoming who we need to be. Mm-hmm. We can't do it. We have to practice. But you said it. It takes practice. Mm-hmm. You know, it takes 
It takes practice to date yourself. It takes this practice of saying, I love you, but no, because I need love on myself right now. And that means laying in bed with Olive and building a Pinterest board. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or sitting on the porch with Olive and a cocktail. Yeah. Rather than at your noisy table, because my head can't wrap around that right now. We have to be okay because we constantly adapt. And becoming, let me tell you something. Every time we adapt to the ways of others, we lose ourselves. But when we intentionally become our authentic selves, it is so liberating. Mm -hmm. It is so liberating. But I'm going to tell you why. Because when we are our, our, our authentic selves, we attract all the right people. So when you tell your friends, I can't go to that dinner, and they know M just needs to be alone right now, they're okay with that. Yes, and that's how you know they're the right people. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So when you become your authentic self, I'm gonna say it again, you attract all the right people because you're authentically yourself and you have the right people around you that don't attempt to change you, to change your mind. They don't attempt to manipulate you for their benefit. Say it again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Now, these are your true people. These are your authentic community. These are your people that want you to be well and live well. So their noise of your choices are not what God wants, take that noise out. Mm -hmm. Because that noise is not going to allow you to become who you authentically need to become. Mm -hmm. Why are you even talking to me? Bye. Yeah. You know what the best thing ever invented for me that is liberating? Block, block this caller. <laughs> right? And block this person on social media. Mm -hmm. Because I am a very sensitive person. I'm an empath. And your words will affect me. Yeah. So guess what? You were, I just went to four different funerals Ugh. in the last six months. You acted crazy at the funeral and you came at me. Guess what? Your phone's getting blocked. Your phone number's getting blocked because I need to reserve myself mm -hmm. for the people that really love me. And your noise, it needs to be eliminated from my life. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love that. So the people who traditionally be there for you are those people that you can truly be yourself around. They will never shame you for being who you are. They won't shame you for your decisions. They won't try to change you and they won't use who you are against you. That's a big one. They are authentically there for you. They're there to help you um, fuel, your, fuel, your, fuel your soul, fill your well, and they'll help you grow. If yeah. you're, if you're, yeah, if I don't need shade for growth, I need sun. <laughs> I love that. I don't need no. shade for no. growth. I need sun. I, 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 can. I love that so much. <laughs> Sorry, when I look down, I'm taking notes. <laughs> when I look down, I'm reading my notes. <laughs> I wrote, before you and I spoke, I wrote these notes a month ago when we first talked about this. Oh, wow. But these words were for you. Yeah, I love that. If people are shaming you for your choices, but you're okay with your choices, you have to be okay 
with eliminating that noise. I can't yeah. hear you anymore. Bye-bye. Yeah. And had I listened to the noise, my son wouldn't be here. And my son's a gift to the world. He's a pain in the ass. <laughs> but he's a gift to the world. Oh, he's such a gift. Yeah. I can't he's, imagine. He's going to be remembered for generations. He's not going to be forgettable. He's him and I go ahead. Yes, two days ago we went. <laughs> we went head to head over the dumbest thing. <laughs> but I'm so proud of him, and I'm so proud to be his mom. I'm proud of my girls too. Of course, but my mom of him is very different. Yeah, he changed the trajectory of my life. Oh yeah, I had zero direction. I had zero plan. I didn't finish high school at the time. I wasn't enrolled in college. I was laying on the couch trying to figure out what was going to happen and had no idea he was already growing inside me. So God's plan was bigger and greater and better than anything anyone or myself could have imagined. Mm -hmm. And it started with him. And don't get me started. Tommy has to be on the podcast on his own, but mm -hmm. my husband, same thing. We had zero direction. We call him the game changer. Like that's his name mm. in my family, called the game changer. He brought this sense of life and direction to us. He was God's gift to us. Had I said, okay, I'll take the BMW right. over my kid, which yeah. another 18 year old might have done. I have. Yeah. Well, I was going to, I was just going to say, obviously what you're saying is super profound and like knowing your son, it's really easy for me to agree with all of that. But also, it wasn't just him growing inside of you that changed your life. It was you standing in who you were and making that call that also changed your life. So I just want to make sure we don't gloss over. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and I've been trying to get back to that girl. Yeah. In the midst of the demand of being a wife, a mom, a uh, you know, everything from PTO to theater mom to room mom to soccer mom. When right. I, did soccer mom I did football mom, cheer mom, all the mom things, all the wife things, plus the demand of being a certain person in my family. My family is demanding in regards to extended family, my parents, my, my siblings. There's a demand of my life. And I've been trying to find my way back to that 18-year-old girl that said, you can go F yourself <laughs> and your car and the alternative route. Mm -hmm. I'm standing my ground. This is what I want. I don't care if I live in a shelter. I'm going to do this. Right. And I have been trying to find my way back to her all these years later. The only way I was able to do it to find true survival was by dating myself and saying, what do you like to do? Yeah. What do you, what do you like? What do you want? What makes you happy? What brings you joy? What fills your soul? What fills your well? It sounds so and simple, but it's not. like really, yeah, it's not simple. <laughs> the noise. The noise. Yeah. Because of the noise, people telling you, you can't do that. You shouldn't do that. Why did you do that? And then bringing shame on you. Mm -hmm. I'm doing this because it fills me and I will no longer apologize for how my choices make you feel. I can't do it. 
because I move away from who I am supposed to be. Yeah. And let me tell you, culturally, the odds are not in your favor. It's the Hunger Games. <laughs> I know, right? Because there is a role the woman needs to take that we are programmed. Mm-hmm. Like my daughters hate that I serve my husband his plate before I sit down to eat. Interesting. Okay. The girls are like, sit down, mom. <laughs> and I say, no, I enjoy this. Yeah. It makes me happy. When I see Tommy plate his food, I want to kill him. <laughs> he, he would serve me if, if I let him. Yeah. I love to serve them. And then there's another thing that happens. <laughs> I'm embarrassed to say it. I will serve my boys. I will serve my son and my husband and the girls for themselves. <laughs> but the girls don't like me serving them because they say I serve them too much. Oh, how funny. <laughs> Where culturally, it's very normal for me, for the woman, the mom, to serve all the men mm. and then me. And these are generational forms and, and cultural form. It's generational bondage and cultural form that I'm trying to, to change. Yeah. But a lot of it has to do with who I am. I love serving my family. Yeah. Because if I made a beautiful meal, please don't plate it like you're a heathen. <laughs> I want to plate it so it looks like how the recipe card looks. <laughs> Well, that's where you and I are very similar because so presentation. More to do with presentation than actual form. My what? husband, we're doing this podcast right now. My husband just texted me, would you like me to wait to eat? I made you a plate. Oh, and I said, no, eat. Because yeah. I don't need a hypoglycemic husband. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is I don't do it because of the cultural demand. I do it because I enjoy it. And we've gone to places where he's tended to me and there's, that's been frowned upon, Mm. but we have an understanding Mm -hmm. and there's a demand in the Latino culture that says the woman needs to take a knee to her wants and needs because her family comes first, tending to the house comes first, tending to the children comes first. What do you mean you're going to put your career first? What do you mean you're not going to have children? So that's a whole other, it's right. not easy to say, I'm going to do what I want. And maybe that's not having children. Mm-hmm. God forbid a Latina woman is a night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would argue if you're not doing those things for you, then how are you even able to put your family first? Fully. Because if you're constantly stripping yourself of your needs and you're empty how could you possibly give fully you know it just doesn't make sense so I became the better wife the better mom the better everything when I started putting myself first when my when I revived my soul Mm -hmm. when I did all the things to fill my well I can give you what is it my cup burneth over whatever overflow is for you yeah yeah. We, can't. we have to practice on saying no mm-hmm. when we need to. And the people that are not okay with it, sorry, yeah. but I'm not sorry for saying no. Yeah. Yeah. 
I love we that so much. To. Get rid of the noise, Emily. You've yep. got to get rid of that noise because that noise will block you from really allowing the light that needs to come in. God has a, this plan for you that's beyond, you can't even imagine how great it is for you. You're going to look back in 10 years and be like, wow, wow, I feel it. And I'm pretty spot on. <laughs> Usually I'm spot on with, but I, I, it's, I, because I know you and I know you're genuine and you don't just say platitudes just to say them. I don't. I, that means a lot to me coming from you. It's very hard for me to believe that because I feel like I'm at a point where, you know, everything is gone now and certain things that I wanted in my life, I don't really see how they're going to happen. And I know I like, I already know what you're going to say, but because just, just cause I can't see it doesn't mean it won't happen, but it's really no, I was going to say that. Okay. I was saying, um, I was going to say what you wanted for yourself, you don't see happening. And that makes you sad, which you're entitled to grieve what you wanted or what you envisioned for yourself. But I'm a firm believer because I've experienced and I lived it sometimes what I want for myself although seemed pretty great there's something even better planned that you can't even imagine and I'm going to tell you this because I can look at my marriage and I'm going to celebrate 25 years in October of next year at year I think it was year <sighs> 12, maybe, I filed for divorce and I wanted, I envisioned this life for myself that was so amazing and it didn't include being married and the life that I have now is so much better than the vision I had for myself, you know, over 10 years ago. And that's why I constantly say it. Because the vision I had for myself, and I grieved that idea mm -hmm. of life that I wanted for myself, I, I was very sad for a really long time. And now I fast forward, and I wouldn't trade the two lives ever. And it, it, it goes beyond the whole marriage thing, but there was this life of independence that I wanted for myself. And now I not only have that independence, but I also have more. Mm -hmm. um, but you have to grieve what you felt you had envisioned that you may not get grieve it but grieve it and lay it to rest because if you sit in it and you sit in that grief you won't allow in the blessings that are to come mm. Yeah, you have to you have to grieve it. And, and I can't tell you how long it's going to take. Right. But be okay with, with grieving it because it is a loss. You have to see it almost like it's a death. And you have to lay it to rest. You can't have that dead body in your house. Yeah, multiple people have told me that like it's parallels to a death. And yeah. 
the process of grieving a lost loved one is very similar to this. You have to grieve, you have to grieve and you have to decide um, when you start healing. Like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna f- grieve, but now I wanna start healing so I can make space for what's my next season. Yeah. Because, but it has to start with eliminating the noise. Yeah. Eliminate the noise. Say yes to yourself more than, than you say yes to others. Because every time we say yes to someone or something, we're saying no to something else. For me, it's about organizing my house mm. and my abundance of <laughs> supplies in my garage. <laughs> yes, I'll go hang out. I'm saying no to two hours I could put into that organization that essentially helps me feel mentally sane. Because when I go into my garage and I can't find something, I lose myself mm-hmm. and I'm very upset. Mm-hmm. So mental health is linked to organization for me. Yeah. If things are not organized, I'm very unsettled. Yeah. Oh, I resonate with that a ton. So I say yes to going to hang out with you, M, for two hours on your porch, but I'm saying no to what I need to do to get my week ready. And arguably that will give you more like filling of your cup for much longer. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. We have to practice saying yes to ourselves and no to others if that's what you need. But sometimes you just, I just need to sit on the porch, forget the garage. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I need to, you need to, you need to check in with yourself the way you would have checked in with your spouse or my children or my parents. I need to check in with myself. Hey, can I do this? Should yeah. we do this? You have to have a relationship with yourself. Honestly, I love that you're saying it and using that analogy because it has not crossed my mind to think of it in that way. And nobody has really said it like that this far. And that's, I really see value in that. We have to practice and it's not easy. It happens to me all the time. Be like, yeah, let's go. Yeah. We get away. Let's do this. And I'm like, Oh, come Monday. I'm going to die. Yeah. I have to check in with myself. Can I do this? And then you know what I do? I check in with myself, and if it works, then I present it to my partner. Mm. I check in with myself, and it doesn't work. On A, I don't even bring it to my partner. Mm. Or when my partner brings it to me, I'm like, no, I already checked in with myself. It's not going to work. Can't go away this weekend yeah. because we have X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Or if it has to do with our finances, or if it has to do with our time, or what, even if it's Whatever. like, hey, do you want to catch up on our show? You would laugh <laughs> if you would hear what my husband and I are watching together on Netflix. <gasps> tell me, you have to tell me, what is it? It's borderline sweet, borderline embarrassing. <laughs> I love it. What? And with an E, Anne of Green Gables. Okay, I grew up obsessed with the original series and I heard they were doing like a reboot or something, but I don't know anything about it. Is it good? Phenomenal. Like Really? <laughs> he's like okay we need to go to sleep (laughs) it's phenomenal is it a retelling or is it a new storyline just with the same characters 
I, I don't know the original. Oh, okay. Okay. From I from what I gather and what I've read, it's mm-hmm. the same character. Okay. What what platform do you watch it on? Netflix. Oh, it's on Netflix. Okay, I'll have to I'll have to check it out. <laughs> but it goes back to what I'm talking about. If it's up to Tommy because of his line of work, we're gonna watch Forensic Files and vanish and all these crazy things and I won't be able to sleep at night and my kids are never leaving the house (laughs) yeah I only watch feel-good television Mm -hmm. I only watch I made that intentional decision to only watch feel-good television why because it helps fill my soul so when someone says hey do you want to watch Pearl Harbor for example (laughs) I won't watch it I'm gonna tell you why because I'm an empath and I start feeling what those men in the sinking ship were feeling. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then for my mental health, I don't feel well. Right. So I try not to watch um, things that happen like real life that didn't end well. Yeah. Because I get very affected. Yeah. (laughs) So well, yes, and TV should be entertainment, and if it's not bringing you joy, that's literally the sole purpose of it. So I get that, like some people get joy by being scared. Watching, <laughs> he loves watching, um, like the thing of the serial killers and Richard yeah. Ramirez and all these things, and he wants to share with me, and I'm like, sir. I'm stopping you, sir. I say it exactly like this. Sir, please do. I, I chose not to watch it. I, oh, no. Relieved to me. I don't want to hear. You just froze. Are you there? About myself. Oh, there you are. How's it? I don't know. I didn't know that about myself. I like to watch. Am I still freezing? No, you're good now. My, can you hear me? Yeah. I didn't know that about myself until I started checking off. I'll check in with Emily. Even if the phone call, caller ID, Jesus for caller ID. Do I want to take this? And then you'll find yourself checking in with yourself more and more. Mm-hmm. hey we're all gonna go grab tacos but i'm vegan oh you'll find something nah i'm gonna eat i'll meet you guys after and that's so doing it in, in a loving yourself. way yes you know? no. i love that i love that my niece is vegan my girls are not they they find ways to coordinate with each other to still hang out, but my niece puts herself first. Mm-hmm. It takes practice. You have, we have to practice. We got to put ourselves back on the agenda. What's the yeah. agenda for today? Oh, love myself. Hi. <laughs> I love that. We pray for everyone. We pray for everyone. When do we pray for ourselves? Yeah. We got to put ourselves back on the prayer request list. <laughs> seriously, seriously. Oh, I love this. I. <laughs> You are so wise. I so appreciate everything you have to say. And I feel like what you've given me today has given me like so much to think about. And so like, 
I have like so many notes that I, I, I love listening to all of these back, but I feel like this conversation is one that every single time I listen to, I know I'm going to like have a new little nugget of something. It's almost like there's so much I can't even process it all at the at one time. Um, yeah, I'm yeah, I really definitely grateful for you. I have to tell you to end with. Yeah. I just learned something a couple of weeks ago and I've been trying to really embrace it. And it says true wisdom and growth comes from applying what we know. Mm. Because we can know a lot of things. It doesn't make us wise. That's true. You have to apply if we're it. Applying those things, we're, we're embracing authentic wisdom. So apply what you know, you know what you got to do. The last thing I want to leave you with is, Tune out that noise. It doesn't feed my soul. You could tell me my decisions are wrong because they make you feel uncomfortable because that's your perspective. Oh, yeah, I'm not sorry that my life doesn't sit well with you. Bye. I love that. And if they're your people, they won't care. You're right. You're right. The people who really matter are going to be the ones who stand by. And guess what? He wants the best for you. He's filling you with ideas and moves. Go with them. Yeah. I think over the past few years, I have been trained to not trust my gut. And right now, this is, I'm having to relearn that like, that feeling is there for a reason and you have to like, honor it. You know what I told my kids? At a very young age, your guardian angels are your gut feelings. Mm. You gotta go with your guardian angels. They're guiding you. Those gut feelings, you got to do it. I love that. Gotta go with them. Mm-hmm. When you're about to go that way and you go that way, go that way. Whatever <laughs> your feelings. Why? Because you're being guided. Your yeah. spirit guides are guiding you. Mm-hmm. You have to follow those feelings. And sometimes they're uncomfortable. Yeah. I, on the wedding therapy podcast, we interviewed a um, therapist and she actually was saying that scientifically your gut is connected to, I'm not, I'm not going to say this accurate. So for anyone who's maybe listening, who is a therapist, I don't have all the right terminology, but the microcosms and the bacteria in your gut are actually directly linked to neurons in your brain. So that whole terminology of like, oh, your gut instinct, that is actually what's chemically going on in your brain. And so it isn't this just euphemism, like it's science. (laughs) And it's something that we have to, that I, sorry, I have to remember. Okay, I'm going to say this and then just to piggyback on what you said in regards to that. Mm-hmm. Well, it says gut health is the key to all of health. And if you have brain fog, the first thing that's suggested is you cleared your gut. Yep. So we've learned a couple of things. Let's clear our gut. Let's say yes and no. Yeah. But we need to. <laughs> Let's eliminate the noise. I love that. Eliminate the noise. I love that. Well, I appreciate you literally taking like two hours out of your day to talk to me. I enjoy this. Thank you. It was an honor. Um, 
I, I have been staying off of social media uh, as far as like scrolling. So I, you'll have to let me know um, when your stuff is launching and coming out just so I can keep an eye out for it. I have been praying about and I need to relaunch. Um, and I was praying about it and then you talked. So I decided that I'm relaunching when you upload this. Oh, wow. So you'll let me know. I'll let you know then. Okay. Because yeah. this, there's no rush. This is key to what I want to put out there. Mm -hmm. Because if we are not fueling and reviving our soul, we are not living well. Mm -hmm. Because if we're not, our soul are not set on fire. If we're not living life full of light and nurturing our soul, our mental health is affected and the people around us are affected and we attract the wrong people. Yeah. And you're not loving others well. And that's ultimately, if anything, the last year we've seen is we as a society are not doing well at loving others overall. So because if you don't agree with me, I'm canceling you out. Mm -hmm. You don't have to agree with me. Just love me. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, enjoy the rest of your time in the mountains. Thank you. I am so jealous. Um, well, timing is Thank everything. you so much. Yes. I'll be, I'll be praying for you. Thank you. I'll be praying for you. And I'm a text away. Okay. And if you're like, right now is shit. I have no problem lifting you, even if it's with brutal honesty. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Dreams come true once you live it out. I picked up pieces from my childhood in a broken house and heal my soul from the trauma we've been given now. I hear the whispers in the wind under smoky clouds and tell myself once again.